What's going on, Canes fans? We are back with the All Canes Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Monroe. I'm joined in the beautiful All Canes shop with Harry himself. Harry, how you doing, man? Doing great. Another great show and another great day to see you here. You look comfortable, man. What's going on? Laid back, man. It's that. Think about it. One month from today. Is that what it is? Is that the smile on your face? One month, man. Yes, sir. I feel like it'd be something else, the smile that you have going on right now. Right now, it's it's really just the fact that. Something happened last night. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get back to the football. Uh, One month away. (laughs) One month. Hey, listen, before we be. Camp starts in a couple days. Camp starts Friday. So, looking uh, forward to that. That means we're getting closer, you know, and hopefully back to more normalcy because last year was kind of a. Terrible year for fans and, you know, really knowing what was going on. Well, we're hoping for that. Yeah, the, I know. The way things are yeah, going, it's not, uh, we're, we're not, it's not ba- looking great. We're not putting any money on anything, But, right? you know, we're going to cross our fingers and, and, and hope that we have the tailgating and the, and the drinking. We'll, we'll see what, what's stronger, money and football or? Money. A virus. In this state, money. Okay. 100%. It's kind of what I think, too. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, you know, maybe our guests today will be able to, you know, Give us a little bit of more information about what's going on in the program and stuff like that. We changed it up today, guys. We don't have a former player. Uh, we wanted to get into this current team. And who better to ask than Manny Navarro from The Athletic. Manny, how you doing, man? Doing great, guys. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show. It's been a while since I've made an appearance here. But, it, you know, I always check in with both of you guys every now and then. And, and it's good to see you, Brian. Good to talk to you again, Harry. Thanks for having me. Are you at like, is it like a time change or something over there? Are you like at the Olympics in Tokyo? You know, the room's dark. I don't know what's going on. Are you like sleeping? Are you good? It's 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 all the lighting here. I, I have a, a window. It's used, it's rained so much that it's always dark around my neighborhood up here in Pembroke Pines. But uh, I got the window open. So, uh, you know, I just don't want to turn it into ghost pale white, which is what I see the effect here on, on Zoom. When I, when I come out here, I kind of have to mess with the lighting so you can actually see that I'm not uh, that that pale white. Just making sure. I just want to, you know, we weren't interrupting a, a nap or a sleep. You, know, well, you, better, you better get a little tan if you're going to be going out to practice pretty soon, right? Yeah. Well, listen, all the practices apparently are going to be at night the first couple of weeks. I what? Think, uh, yes, that's the uh, word I got uh, yesterday uh, via email from see? the Sports Information Department. So see? from six Look. to eight under the lights the first couple of weeks. First couple of weeks or first couple of practices? I think it's first couple of weeks. I think the first two weeks of camp are going to be uh, taking place at night. See, as a former player, this is what pisses you off, right? First of all, we have this beautiful facility that they shouldn't step foot in until it rains or lightnings. Other than that, keep yourself outside in the hot, Wait, blistering let's back sun. Up. I want to back up. Lightning. Lightning. Only. That's it. My bad. Rain, I did say rain. Rain is okay. You yeah, know? because you know what's going to happen at Hard Rock? It rains. It's going to rain. And it rains on the part they're on, not the part we're sitting back in. Oh, no. So, we we chilling. We're chilling. I we're we're, yeah, having, I mean, we're relaxed. I, yeah. so, I grew so up now, in the days of... Morning practices and two a days and you know, different times. So now we're dealing with nighttime practices, and most likely, it's going to be inside. Well, I think I'm not to step on your toes, Brian, but I think part of this is because of the rain in the afternoon. They're so used to having everything washed out with by lightning. They want to have the guys outside, and I think they've got a better chance of that at night. I know the sun's not out. But they're still going to be dealing with humidity, right? I mean, at night it's still what in the eighties around here, man. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> listen, it, it's Miami. If you if you look at it, our first game against Appala- Appalachian State seven o'clock. That second game is high noon against Michigan State. Yeah, we're gonna melt no, those guys. I, I, Manny's not giving them night practices all the way through. I think this is two weeks, and so my my uh, estimation is at a certain point they're going to be out there under the uh, sweltering sun like uh, you guys were. <laughs> 
That's many, many years. That's what we love to hear. Well, you know, for many years, that was always what we thought was an advantage or we felt that it was something that made us tougher. And you talk to the old guys, you know, there were no such thing as water breaks or, or hiding in the shade of an indoor right. facility or cool down tubs. Even back in the older days, they didn't have that stuff. So, you know, they felt that by being out there playing in the elements of South Florida, that prepared them for the fourth quarter. And we'd hold up those four fingers because physically and mentally we were prepared to battle in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they got a little bit of soft, but what do I know, man? We're just we're just old guys talking about stuff, you know. I guess we were. That's what old guys do. They that's talk what, about stuff. That's right? what I hear from the young guys. But um, so how is it going to be this year for you guys? Um, as far as covering the teams, are you guys right now able to go to the practice once they open up Friday? Is it back to kind of normal? Yeah, it's definitely more normal than last year. I think you know you couldn't get anywhere near the building last year as a reporter. We were—I was out there for Paradise Camp uh, at the end of June, and yeah, we all had to wear masks. Uh, but you know, we were out there amongst the people. I think the the issue moving forward is how long is this going to last with the with the Delta variant and the numbers going up. Uh, unfortunately, I'm worried that at some point we might get shut down. But right now, the tentative plan is us as media. We we've all got to. Uh, make sure that we get our temperatures uh, taken before we're, we're allowed uh, on the field anywhere near the players. Um, and, you know, we got to pass all the protocols that they need us to pass. And then we get to sit out there for about 20 minutes watching practice. And then uh, we got to go back to our cars or somewhere else because we're not going to be allowed to just go inside like we used to in the good old days. We had an, a, a media room where we could all just, you know, hook up our computers and everybody go to town, start writing on what they saw over the first 20 minutes. Um, now we can't do that anymore. So, uh, you know, we're all going to be <laughs> running back to our cars, hoping it doesn't rain and hoping that they don't take too long. So we're not sitting in our car for an hour and a half. You come over to all canes. Time. We'll set up a media table here. You know I, what I mean? I think uh, you got a great idea there, Harry. I think this is the, the perfect remedy for, uh, for me and Susan Miller Degnan and Kobe Price, the new Sun Sentinel writer and Gary Furman and all those guys, uh, you know, Matt Chodell, everybody who's covered the team for years. We need somewhere to go, so maybe we maybe we, start, we can make a deal here, a yeah. media table. I mean, I think we could have a media table in the store and alternate you guys out, you know, for a day or something like that. You know, it'd be kind of fun. Right. <laughs> Cracking so where deals, all the brain man. Trust is, you know, that's a new nil deal right here, huh? Yeah, new NIL for the media. <laughs> you know, let's talk about the nil, NIL right? Deal. Because uh, we we've had a couple discussions about the nil between Platson, who's not here right now because he's big time and on vacation. Um, and we kind of differ in some things. You know, I think with the big city universe of Miami, um, I think there's going to be more opportunities for, like, the third string guys to have, you know, like a food delivery service or something small, but they'll still be able to get, a, like, a little piece of the apple. Um, I, I think there's going to be that top five to ten, no matter what in the country, they're going to make their money because they're the best of the best. Do you think the NIL deal is going to help in recruiting for Miami, or do you think it's what like the most schools are? You got to win for those dudes to come to your school. Yeah, I, I don't really think it's going to have the effect that everybody thinks it's going to have on recruiting. Um, you know, talking to enough people around college football, knowing the situation with with boosters and people slipping money under the table to athletes for years uh, underneath the NCAA's nose. No, you're saying that happens at other schools? No way. <laughs> they they would never I, I say don't, that. I, I, I don't think it's all of a sudden going to stop Alabama from getting all the five stars. I don't think all of a sudden, you know, Clemson and Ohio state are going to get beat by uh, Vanderbilt and South Carolina. And the, you know, the best players are still going to go to the best schools. And, 
you know, they're going to go there because they want to make it to the NFL. And they think that that's their best shot at making the NFL is playing for the best teams, the way it was here at Miami for many, many years. Right. It just, it recruited itself. The best players would, would, would leave Miami, go high in the draft. And so the next crop of great players wanted to come here and Miami's just not in that rotation right now, unfortunately, even though they've continued to produce NFL players and, and they had obviously a first round pick, two first round picks last year. Um, you know, that doesn't change overnight, man. You got to win on the field. You got to produce NFL guys consistently. And that's how you get into that elite level. And right now, I just think NIL, while it's nice for the players, it's going to, like you said, it's going to be great, especially here at Miami. Everybody, every scholarship player can get 500 bucks a month from Dan Lambert uh, in his MMA, uh, you know, uh, gyms. That's great for, you know, for the guys at the end of the depth chart. But I don't think it makes a difference when it comes to, hey, we need to get this five-star kid who's going to come in and you know, be, be the best quarterback in the country or be the best receiver in the country. I think those kids are always just going to look at it from one scope. And that's how do I get to the NFL fastest? Who's going to help me get there? And Miami's got to get to that level where, you know, where they were. It's, it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like if you're a kid and you're a top five, top 10 quarterback in the country and $500 persuades you to go to a school, <laughs> you, yeah. got the, you got the wrong attention over there. I think, I think that was like on the pillow when they came on their first visit. <laughs> and then when they came back the next night, no chocolates. They were just like a, an envelope on the, the pillow, right? Hey, listen, that's been going on for how many years time? in college right. football, right? That's... Oh, hey, I'm going to Ohio State. This handshake. Oh, what's well, that? You, you know, oh, you walk thanks. down the line, you know, Appreciate you go that. into the stadium and you shake hands. and That's it. Let me ask you, do you think uh, NIL is good for uh, college football and college sports in general? I don't know. I mean, I think it is just because it, it continues to put the nail in the coffin with the NCAA. I think the NCAA's, you know, what are, what are they really around for now, right? Like, what are <laughs> we they, asked what that are question they... last week to the athletic director. I mean, I just think it, it continues to make them irrelevant. Uh, and, it, and to me, it brings out some level of honesty when it comes to paying recruits to come to your school, right? I mean, now at least uh, you don't have to play this game anymore. Like Ohio State getting this Quinn Ewers kid. Uh, you know, he's going to get seven figures and he hasn't even played a down yet for the Buckeyes. Um, the real story is that's probably a big reason why he picked Ohio State. I mean, besides the fact that Ohio State plays over here, but behind the scenes, we know what's going on, right? I mean, the best players in the country are being wooed for, for, for a lot of other reasons. And his family doesn't even need that money. But, you know, he's going to skip his high school senior season at one of the most premier high schools in the country, a chance to win a state championship so that he can just cash in and sort of set the example for other players to, to get them, you know, to, to, to leave early and, and to, to say, you know what, there's really no reason to stick around my high school year. I can get a, a head start on learning the playbook. I can get a head start on learning the offense, all those kind of things. So look, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think you're going to see a bunch of Quinn Ewers all of a sudden. Um, but I think it's going to happen with the top five, six, seven players every single year in, in, in high school football. And good for them. They should be able to do that. Because you know what? Here's the thing. When you look at college sports, football is the only one that you can't go from high school and go to a pro. Right. Tennis, I can go to the pros. Golf, I can make baseball. Basketball, yeah, you got to do one and done. But now you can go to the over uh, overseas leagues. You can go to what is the overtime league, I think the other one is now. So why can't co football players be able to make money? I, good for him. You know, he's going to Ohio State. That sucks. But being able to make the money that he's going to be able to make, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. That's awesome. Yeah, but you know, we, we, I was talking with someone today about the pressure of living up to that million dollars or $500,000. Does that add more pressure to no. a kid than just winning the game because you're trying to win the game? No, because you think about it already. 
kids in social media already get talked all types of trash. Yeah, De- but money threats. wasn't involved at that level. It doesn't level. make a difference. Right. What are they What are they going to say now? Oh, you suck because you got a million bucks. I'm going to kill you because you got a million bucks. They're still going to say I'm going to kill you. I'm going to I'm going to harm your family. That stuff already mm-hmm. happens. Well, so what's the difference? I I don't have a lot to say about people like that. Okay. That's bad. But I'm just saying that, that you know, there's a pressure to win because you're winning for your team or you want to go to the next level. But now you have a contract with a company, does that affect it or does that affect you the next year or whatnot? I mean, it's, it is added pressure if you're making that kind of money. There's only going to be a couple dudes that make the type I, of money. I understand that. And those dudes, already, those dudes already have that pressure. If you're the quarterback for Oklahoma, if you're the quarterback for Miami, you already have the pressure to be great. Right. You already have the pressure to win a Heisman and bring a championship back to your school. Okay, so you make... What's Derek making of all his deals? Fifty thousand? Sixty? Yeah, I think I think, you know, he's not I don't think he's breaking into that uh six figure threshold just yet. Um, you know, I, look, to me it's all about maturity, right? It's how yes. can you handle this as a player and stick to the responsibilities and keep what's most important important, right? It's it's going to football meetings, it's you know, this NIL stuff, I think the the one thing that you know people don't think about is how are the kids going to have time, right, to do right. some of these NIL requirements? You know, do they do they say, forget it, I'm going to the wharf tonight uh, instead of watching some extra film on Alabama? You know, I, I think that's the issue. And I, and I talked to the players about that. I talked about, you know, with Bubba Bolden, Mike Harley, Eric, different guys that I've seen at some of these NIL events is, you know, how do you guys police this? And they're, they're of the opinion that they have enough leadership in the locker room where this isn't going to become an issue, where you're not all of a sudden going to see a bunch of guys goofing off and not doing what they have to do. Um, but that's, you know, in a different situation, you know, maybe a couple years ago when we knew the locker room wasn't the way it was supposed to be, right, when we had some young quarterbacks in this team, what what would have happened if NIL existed then? Would it, what kind of mess would Miami have had on its hands? So to me, I think it all comes down to who are the leaders in your locker room and are those guys going to police the other players and, and get them not to do stupid things and, and to, to stick to what matters. But you just mentioned it, right? Our locker room five years ago, four years ago, and there wasn't no money, it was in shambles. It was terrible. Like you're right. starting quarterbacks going out and partying before a game. I don't know how that happens still. Uh, <laughs> he's not studying. Your receivers say they're not doing extra stuff. And that's without money. So regardless, right. it's going to happen in your locker room. If you suck, there's going to be arguments. There's going to be fights no matter what. Now all of a sudden you add a little bit of money. If you suck, you're still going to fight. You're still going to have arguments. But the good teams are the ones that are going to rise to the top like they always do. Alabama's not going to have that issue. Clemson's not going to have that issue. Those are the teams that are going to be like, yeah, you make your money. You're the next in line. You work hard. You're going to be on scout team for a year or two, and then you got it. That's just how it's going to go. It sounds pretty simple when you say it. But here's the thing. We've had those issues way before the money came involved. We had fights. We talked about it last week, though. You're, you're having kids that have a hard time juggling school and sport. Now you've thrown that third ball in the air. Now it, can I make money off it? So if you do much too much time doing the money part, then your school suffers. Or if you don't go to the meetings or you don't do the, the film and all the other stuff, then your sport. So that's the worst part because that affects you on the, the back end of trying to go to the league. Just remember this. If you don't get grades... You ain't going to play ball. Right, exactly. If you don't play and ball, think, you know what you're going to get? I think what Manny no said money. is exactly right. In maturity and able to use your time wisely, okay? Because 
that's the way you're going to have to do it. You can't do something every day for NIL. No, of course not. You're going to have to limit it to, like, Monday's their day off, so is that the day you do most of your stuff? So I've I've had conversations with some of the stuff that's going on with the NIL for the season and people trying to put together stuff, and, you know, friends are involved in the play. They're like, look, you can't do it on this day. That's not our off day. If you want to do anything at night, it's got to be a Sunday night because Monday is their off day, and off day, and all they can do is recover and watch film. Other the week, they shouldn't do anything. Right. So, again, we talked about it, and maybe you agree or disagree, man. I think it's always about the resources that you have. You know, the, Absolutely. All, all the people that are surrounding you to help you out. If you have somebody to answer a question or say this is right, this is not right, you'll be good. But if you have a team where, like you mentioned, the locker room maturity, if you don't have guys that are surrounded by, um, you know, people to help them with taxes, money, uh, bank accounts, savings, time management. You're still gonna, regardless, you're gonna mess up. Right. You know. So I just think it. I think it starts from the top down. I think it starts from the head coach implementing a system that says, you guys can make all the money you want, but between, I don't know. Right. No, August to yeah. whenever you know January, this is our time. You know, it's funny you bring that up, and Brian, I'm gonna write a story on this at some point here because I've just been kind of collecting interviews and quotes from guys here over the off season. But I talked to Manny about this in Charlotte two weeks ago, and I said, what do you do when, I don't know, I'm not going to even say anybody's name, but what do you do when, when a kid all of a sudden signs with one of these porn companies, right? And, and, and is doing something that's a little questionable yes. to make some money. <laughs> and, you know, Manny's answer to me was, look, I can't do anything. You know, these guys, they have to rely on their marketing agents to make smart ideas. I, I said, but Manny, you do control their playing time, yes. right? And he said, well, he said, you know what the narrative is the moment I get involved in that, the moment I start withholding playing time from guys. It's not going to do well for recruits. It's not going to do well for helping the program as a whole. So there is a little slippery slope here where I think if some kids get some bad people around them that don't give them the kind of you know mentorship or, or the kind of uh, advice that they need to hear, you could see some guys get themselves in trouble. And I think that's, that's a concern that Manny Diaz, I think, has naturally. But in the end, he's powerless because the head coach can't stop these guys from making money and profiting off their name. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I think the the Canes have turned a lot of great, good players over the years. But we know, Brian, there's been a few knuckleheads, bro. Oh, there's we have been a, a lot. few knuckleheads. Hey, we have so a, we have a bunch. <laughs> so I, I just always worry, like, when is that, when is that guy going to show his face when it comes to NIL? It hasn't happened yet, but I hope, I hope for Miami's sake, it doesn't become an issue. Um, because it's the kind of thing that I think can become a distraction, certainly. And, and I think Manny's approach of, hey, I got to be weary of these guys' rights. And then also at the same time, you know, not sort of set the tone with playing time because it'll hurt hurt our recruiting efforts and make us the school where, you know, make him the coach who 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 hurts guys when it comes to NL. I think it's a slippery slope, man. It'll be It's going to be interesting to see the, the first time somebody screws up. Yeah, but Manny, Manny you know, you, you talk about something as simple as just going on social media coaches that have told their kids hey between the season you don't go on social media controlling mm-hmm. that okay now can't, i don't can't really do that anymore though. no well i know you can't well you what you can't tell them not to go on social media well if they're profiting off of nil well, that's, no, I, that's, I, their, I that's their nil's their a little revenue. bit different but what Shoot, i'm saying Nick is, Saban would. is that mm-hmm. i still think there's going to be you know like days you can do stuff or days you can't or letting them know that if you suffer on the field by not doing your your play knowing your playbook or watching the rough film or stuff like that 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 can affect you in other ways Mm -hmm. i mean i just think that right now the problem that i see 
is there's just too many different rules that haven't really been gone over. Different states have different rules. And it's going to be until they come up with a uniform agreement across 50 states, it's going to be kind of crazy on, on what can or can't be done. Absolutely. It is the Wild West. It's the Wild West right now. And I think it's just unfortunate that the NCAA and the universities didn't have something in place years ago, for that matter, to make it equal and, and a good opportunity for these kids to make money without having the Wild Wild West atmosphere. Did you just say the NCAA making it equal for I, kids? I understand. <laughs> I understand. Look, I, if there's anybody that That's hates hilarious. the NCAA, I can promise you I'm right there. At the top, okay. That, I had a shirt we sold. That is hilarious, that. right there. I, I, I understand it, but remember, we had Blake on last week, and what did Blake say when I asked him the question? What does the NCAA do? He said they try to make rules that make it uniform for everybody, and I didn't want to go further and say, well, what about NIL? Because there was no uniform thing on that. But at the same time, and Manny said it earlier, why? What do we need them for? We don't. I mean, they run a tournament. Well, I think there's enough people out there that could run a tournament, right? We could run a tournament. I got this. I could run a tournament, right? Can you? Yeah. The All Canes. Uh, oh, gonna, now it's the All Canes. Okay, the, the Brian Monroe tournament. I'm okay? down with that. All right, we're going to do a Brian Monroe Mine's football gonna be more about the championship. Mine's going to be more about the ideal, like Manny was talking about porn. That's going to be like my tournament. But uh, let me ask a question before we move into football. Last one about the NL. You just said, so why is this sore? I said short. Short sub. No, long. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Pause. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that Manny can't say no to a deal like a porn company or mm -hmm. an alcohol company. Why can't he? Because I've already seen teams like, I think it was Arkansas says you can't use our colors or image. And I think BYU, I know they're different, put a whole bunch of stuff like you can't do alcohol, you can't do porn, you can't I think do- Miami has some of those restrictions too, don't they? There are, so, there are some restrictions, but I think there's ways to also get around it, right? I mean, if there's money involved, there's creative ways to, uh, you know, figure out ways to get around it. And I think, the, the, again, the issue just becomes, you know, like Nesta just filmed that commercial, right, with a bunch of guys uh, from from first round management, where he's kind of bumping into people, and you know, I think some people might take that as why is this guy doing, you know, why is he running into to dudes in a in a that that are in an agency, like what kind of examples that setting? It's a little questionable, you know, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it's more about when you get into that gray area where, you know, maybe you hurt yourself and your image, and then you know, the school has to sort of answer those questions, right? Like, hey, what, what is your guy doing here? Um, that's more of what I was getting into, that gray area when they when they do questionable things that don't reflect well on their character and could potentially cause the school to have to react to it. You well, know? and I also think it could affect them at the next level. Of course. Because, you know, you look at NFL or NBA stars, you don't really see them promoting mm. those type of things because they've got people around them that tell them, this is how we're going to brand you, we're going to make you, and we want you to be highly thought of in the community or, you know, for advertising purposes, we need to have you follow these patterns. Well, look, it's like you mentioned earlier, Manny, right? It's about who surrounds you, who's helping you out, and the resource that you have, right? So you have to get into the guidelines as a school to say, hey, by the way, we're trying to help you to say you shouldn't do, you know, marketing like this because of X, Y, and Z. This looks like you are hitting somebody, and that's going to be bad on your, uh, you know, personality and stuff like that. But you also mentioned you got to look out for those sharks out there, right? Because there's not, there's not everybody, everybody out there doesn't have these kids' best intention. We already know that. That's happened for since football, every sport was around, and 
the sad thing is, is that you try to help these kids so much and say, you know, this person might not be the best for you. We feel like these people are better for you. And for whatever reason, they still go down that path. And, you know, it's it's tough because we've seen it time and time again, even before the money stuff, you know, guys that shouldn't leave early, they leave early. And you're like, where are you guys getting your information from? Because I swear the card you got back from NFL told you you were a sixth, seventh round pick at best. This is the first year in a long time that I felt like guys actually paid attention and said, I'm not making the jump, you know, because a guy like Nesta is a perfect example. Uh, you know, I had NFL people telling me he's probably a fourth or fifth round pick if he comes out and he does well and he and does well in the combine. And yet he wanted to come back because his teammates wanted to come back. And I think that's something you've seen at Clemson. That's something you've seen at Ohio State and Alabama, right? Some guys, they want to come back because their teammates want to come back and run it back. So that's happening now again. And that's a good thing because I think for a long time that's been – a problem at Miami guys who, who just get bad advice and think that they can make it in the NFL. And it's like, dude, you shouldn't really leave unless you know, for sure you're going to be a first or second or third round pick. Well, and that's the, the big difference back in the you know, 2001 when Ed Reed and Brian McKinney come back, it, it, you know, solidifies your team. And that's, what's great about this team. And that's one reason I feel very confident that they're going to have a pretty good season is that they brought kids back that would have left a year or two ago. And I think Derek's a big factor in that. But I think that maturity breeds a, a, a better team. The competition that having depth at those position makes a better team. And I think, you know, all of those things added up to potentially a really good season for us. Would you agree with that? I, I hope you're right, uh, Harry. You know, I think the issue for Miami, uh, I, I look at their roster and I say there's still areas where you need some guys to step up in a big way, right? I think linebacker, we can all agree is the one area last year we said, man, they really missed Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinkney. Um, I think edge rusher, right? You need somebody to step into those shoes. You got talented guys, but who's gonna who's gonna really replace the uh, work that Jalen Phillips did? Who's really gonna replace what Quincy Roche brought you? Those were, you know, experienced, super talented guys. Um, so those are two areas I look at immediately. And then receiver, you say, well, they were dropping a whole lot of balls last year that hurt you, so. You know, can Charleston Rambo come in and be the guy that Miami hopes he can be? So I, I think those are legitimate questions going into the season. But from a leadership standpoint, from a game planning standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, I think you got all the pieces to be a top 25, top 15 type team. You know, uh, it's just a matter of going out there and executing. And we've seen this team, unfortunately, the last couple of years get into some big games and put up a donut. Right. They just they drop the ball and they don't perform the way they should. I think having a healthy Derek King gives him a huge advantage. Um, I think having him in the locker room gives him a huge advantage. I got to see who, who sort of emerges on that defensive side to be that guy this year. Because I think while you got guys who are ready to step into that role, like Bubba Bolden and maybe Nessa Silvera, it's an entirely different animal when, you, when you've got to go out there and produce every single week and be the consistent leader and not put your head down when you screw up. Um, I think that's the next step for Miami. It's, it's getting that, those defensive leaders on that side of the ball and then you know, going out and making sure that you don't give up 62 points and 600 yards rush in North Carolina. you gotta, oh, you, you got to show again. up in the big Sorry. games. So, so <laughs> you just mentioned that you know, this team sometimes gives up, uh, puts up a donut on the field. What have you seen from this team that actually should give Canes fans confident that this 2001 Miami Hurricanes team won't go out and lay that egg up in Alabama and won't go to Chapel Hill and put up a donut. 
Yeah, I, I think it's De'Ara King and I think it's Mike Harley and I think it's, um, you know, some of the some of the guys on the offensive side of the ball who I think have really, um, you know, taken steps forward in their, their development. Um, you know, I like the running backs that they've got. I like the rushing game, the running game that they have with the, the three the three experienced kids that they've got back there. Um, the offensive line is the most experienced. I think, you know, college football today, Brian, is about putting up points. You know, and they can score a lot of points. I think Rhett Lashley is one of the best offensive coordinators in college football. I think he's a future head coach. Could be after this season. Oh, great! And Don't start that rumor. Please no. <laughs> uh, I just think that they they've got the right kind of ingredients offensively to be really, really, really good. Um, the question is, can Manny get the defense back to where they need to be to be elite? You know, that's what I that's what I see. So you just mentioned, you know, two things I want to ask, but I'm going to ask you this one first. Uh, Dear King, obviously he's the one that moves this offense. Without him, who knows what it's going to be like. Um, but we know when he's healthy, it excels, you know, puts up out of 30-something points last year. And we know Rhett Lashley's offense takes that huge jump in the year two, what they did with SMU, being able to put up 40-something points. Do we know where De'Ara King is right now in, in his health, and in his, in his rehab? Is he full go as soon as camp starts on Friday? Yeah, I think he's full go, but anybody coming back from a torn ACL and torn meniscus, even eight months after surgery, um, you know, they've got to kind of, you know, be careful, be weary, right? They can't just go out there and, and, and go 110%. Yeah. I think he's going to he's gonna try to get as close to that as possible. But I also think if there's days where he needs uh, a, a break, you know, and, he, and, you know, Manny Diaz says, hey, you know what, let's give that leg a rest. I think they will. I think they'll give him that day off. And, you know, I think what, what matters is, can he get to Alabama week and be full, ready to go? I think he's very, very close to that. He told us in Charlotte that he's, I think, uh, 0.3 seconds off of his fastest sprint times. Um, he's, he's already lost a bunch of, uh, you know, body fat that I guess he picked up those four months that he wasn't able to run. Wow, uh, I, I think feel his, his pain. Body, yeah, his body fat's <laughs> down to like 11%. So, uh, oh, I'm not he, there yet. I'm not 11 yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah, think you know, you were at 11 was that the earlier discussion oh no no, no. Oh, different 11 oh, right? different 11 okay. different 11 yeah <laughs> that's for after think, about the Bama game yeah I think physically he's he's where he needs to be um I just a matter of now can you get to that point where you're playing you know full 100% Derek King we won't know till game day man now there there's some people and there's even some former players that think that we shouldn't play Derek that first game what who said that it doesn't really matter who said it, but yes, there's, it does. There, there's people that feel that if De'Eric, if we, we're going to lose that game anyways, their thought process, and we don't want De'Eric to get hurt because we need him to go to the next 10 games. Oh, now, I personally think the first off as an athlete, no. the level of De'Eric, or basically any athlete at this level, if they can play, especially against a big opponent, they're going to play, right? Oh, I would love to see this conversation with Derek and say, hey, by the way, we know you're healthy, but we don't want you to play right. against Bama I just don't see it. on national TV. I, I, this is why you came back for your senior year. Yeah, okay. You're not going to sit out, are you? No, there's no, no there's way. no, there's literally no athlete that would sit out the biggest game, probably of his college career, if I think about it, against Alabama on a national stage at 3 o'clock, nobody else is going to be playing. I agree 100%. And you're going to tell him to sit coming no. off an injury? Oh, man, it, I, I want to be a fly I mean, in that room. The only way that would happen is if the injury was not where he's at yes, right now. of okay? course. And then at that point you're saying, look, we understand or there's a chance you're going to get hurt. But if the doctors are saying you're good and he says I'm good, 
He's going. He's Look, me and Manny want to know who's uh, who's the former players that said this. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Cut. We are a family here. We're open to I this. I know, but there's other people listening, so I can't say that. Oh, okay. Here we go. See, this, see what I got to deal with, Manny? See what he does? Oh, look what I, I got to deal with. <laughs> okay, and the other thing that you mentioned Manny, was. Manny, you have a violin you can play for him? Hey, listen, I got really a small, small one right here. Yes, yeah, there, there you, you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> I got that same one for him. <laughs> Another thing you mentioned was uh, Manny Diaz calling plays. Now on defense again, how much of an impact do you think Manny will have, you know, calling defense? Because we know what happened when he was brought in by Mark Rick is probably one of the best defense we've had since, you know, the early 2000s. Do you think he can still have that same type of impact calling plays now? Yeah, I mean, I think from a, from a play calling perspective, there's no doubt that they changed a little bit under Blake Baker. I wrote a big story in The Athletic about it last year when they were kind of going through their struggles. Uh, they were playing a lot more zone, uh, blitzing a lot less. Uh, playing, you know, uh, not playing as much man on the outside. Um, I think they're going to try to go back to what Manny likes to do. Um, but I also think the biggest impact he's, he makes is just in the locker room. And, you know, we talked to Bubba Bolden about this is going to be the lead in my story that goes tomorrow. But Bubba was saying how last year there were too many times that guys were kind of laughing after a game, you know, on defense after they had a bad performance in the locker room. Guys were just kind of like loose. They didn't really feel the pressure. So the moment Manny walked in there, it's different when the head coach is there, you know, when, when the defensive coordinator is around, you can kind of chill, you can kind of feel loose, but he said, everything's gotten really serious since Manny has come in there. And so, you know, I think from that perspective, I mean, you know how it is. You've been in these locker rooms when, when, when everything's too chill. Uh, I mean, what, what kind of effect is that on, on winning? What kind of effect does that have on winning when guys after a loss or a bad performance are just kind of like not caring? Well, that's because, you know, the, the defensive coordinator was soft because when it comes down to it, I can look at the defensive coordinators that we had when I was at Miami and none of, none of them dudes is laughing when coach Shannon's coming into the room. Shoot our position coaches. No one's going in. They're not going into the rooms and laughing. Coach Mark, are you crazy? That ain't happening. But as, you know, it's something we also talked about before maturity. Who are the leaders? Who's holding right. players accountable? Because, you know, when I got to school, the coaches didn't need to say anything. We had dudes that just look at you and you'd be like, sorry. I just put you, and literally just, just put your head down. Okay, don't take me up. Okay, don't – it's, it's got to be the only way, and that's just my personal opinion, the only way that teams are really great is that if they have guys in the locker room that hold them accountable and they are the coaches. The coaches don't need to do anything. Coaches need to go ahead, X's and O's. We got the game plan, cool. The dudes in the locker room are the ones that are – they have to Pumping perform. you up. They're the ones that are making sure everyone's doing what they got to do. They're holding everybody accountable. And if you're not holding yourself accountable, you're not going to be great. So, I, the dudes, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know Blake Baker like that. But if you're just going to be able to laugh in the defensive coordinator's face, you just show me you're a little bit soft as a coach. Well, we even saw players after losses posting stuff on social media. Oh, that that, was like, that's a whole different story. That, but, but it's a mindset that I think that I keep seeing or hearing that with this team is buying into controlling their own destiny themselves, the player-on-player player type of thing where it's not just I have to depend on the coach to get this done. They're doing it themselves. They're working hard in the offseason. They're, they're, they're showing a maturity level. They're coming back to try to finish something they didn't get the chance to finish. Sounds good. I, it sounds great. Sounds you know, good. We, we got to see it, right? L let me see it. I'm a man about actions, not yeah. words. You know, Straight up. Talk is cheap, right? This is why I said what I said earlier about leadership. I see it on the offensive side. 
I don't know if those real leaders, the guys who are going to keep everybody in check, have emerged in on defense. I think that's what this this locker room has has been missing. And I think that's why Manny Diaz has gone out, besides the fact that these guys are uber talented, he's gone out and tried to get these guys like James Williams and Leonard Taylor and all these recruits that they are the chief of their house. Like when they when they on their defense, they don't let anybody slide. And so I think it's more about getting those type of alpha males who know to how, know how to control the room. And so you get that kind of output you want on defense. So, Manny, I'm hearing some really good things about these young guns, so to speak, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as far as maturity coming in right away and, and having that, you know, let's get it going kind of attitude. What What do you think about this this incoming group of kids, Leonard and Williams and all those guys? Yeah, I think this this is a special group. I mean, I think these last two recruiting classes, you, you look at the guys that Manny has brought in. I really like the, the group. I think Xavier Restrepo at receiver, he's, he's, he's just naturally one of those blue guys, oh, right? He gets everybody everybody right. I think Leonard Taylor, James Williams, um, you know, there's some good players um, that have come in here that bring you much more than just speed and athleticism they, and, and, and skill. They, they bring you leadership. They bring you the kind of um, voice that you need if you're going to go anywhere. And, you know, you, you, as, as Kane's fans know, Every championship team at Miami's had great leaders, I think, all over the field. I mean, it's just it like like you were saying, Brian, they police themselves. And I think defensively, um, you know, you have you have a guy like Gilbert Frierson, who I think has a lot of respect. But is Gilbert the best player on that defense? I don't know. It's usually your best player has to be the voice, I think. I mean, that's the way I've always experienced it covering this team and following it in my 43 years of life here in South Florida. I think, you know, your best players have to be your leaders. And I think with guys like James Williams and guys like Leonard Taylor, uh, you're finally having your best players who are leaders. Yeah, I mean, listen, with leadership, it's it's two ways, right? You have your vocal leaders, then you have your guys that are quiet dudes, but they put their head down at work and people just look at them and go, all right, that's a dude I want to like follow. You. Yeah. you know, because, you know, if I go back to my time, obviously we had the vocal leaders. Uh, Vilmas of the world were very vocal. You know, Big V was very vocal. But then you get the guy like Sean Taylor. Sean was very quiet. Sean, you know, kept, you know, doing his own thing. But you you see Sean put on the pads. You see what he does in the field. You see what he does in the weight room. You see what he does in the films. That's a dude that you want to follow. You know, I look at his defense and the guys that you mentioned. To me, Bubba Bolden, from what I know of him, he's kind of a quiet dude. You know, he puts his head down. He works, but he's quiet. You look at Nesta. To me, Nesta's a little bit of a goofball to be a leader for this right. team, right? You see him, and he, he, he has a lot of energy, but – to me, last year he was like one game he'd be an All American, the next game he would disappear, and then he'd right. be you know kind of goofy online or out you know stuff like that. And Gilbert Frierson, you know, good player. Is he the best in this defense? Absolutely not. He's not the best in this defense, but does he have the respect? Yeah. It. I am curious to see who emerges as that guy because you can't have a true freshman. I don't regardless of how talented you are with these two five star kids coming in going to be the leader the defense is what worries me so I hope to see some guys you know step up and be be the man because you can't have Derek go to the defense and be the leader you can't have a Mike Harley go over and be the the leader in the defense it's just just not how it works you know so going into this year and talking about this year what would you consider a good year for this Miami Hurricanes team well I I think we you know (laughs) Knowing the championship tradition, knowing what 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 the ultimate goal is, uh, we're always going to say, you know, as Miami fans, as my, people who cover this program, that, that the goal should always be winning a championship, right? It should always be playing at the highest level, playing in, playing in important games. They haven't done that in a long time. Oh. They really haven't. And and so, 
I think it starts with getting to the ACC championship. I think they have to get past North Carolina. Manny, personally, having coached under Mac, uh, you know, at Texas, I, I think he, he's got to sort of show up and have mm-hmm. his team show up against North Carolina. That's a very, very important game. So, look, I, right now, I don't see them winning the division. I think North Carolina is still a better team than them, even with the guys that they lost offensively. Uh, at running back and at receiver, I still think, you know, you got a special quarterback back there, a guy who's going to be a first round pick. Uh, you've got a good offensive line and you got guys that they've gone out and recruited that, that are good. So I, I just think, you know, this, this team realistically, if, if they don't win the division, get to 10 wins, get to double digit wins and keep the recruiting class that you're building. Now, all these kids from Louisiana and Georgia and Alabama and Tennessee, these kids that believe in Manny Diaz and believe in the vision for the program that's the goal. Keep those kids coming so that you can build this thing up to where it is. This is your three. It takes a while. I mean, everybody wants to see this thing flip, right? Special report here. It takes a while. (laughs) Yes, it does. I mean, look, it took Dabo six years at Clemson. I mean, that's the reality of it. It took him a while to kind of really get that team to a championship level. Um, I think Manny right now is in year three. I think this is a pivotal year. He, He can't to me, it's about not losing the games you, you, you've you lost in the past, right? You can't lose to Duke. You can't lose to Virginia. You can't – all these losses where you're just, they're, just a, they're just an average team. I don't even want to talk about FIU. And I what went team? To I didn't hear that game. I don't know about that. Uh, I, I, they can't – they just can't have the slip-ups, Ryan. If you're going to get somewhere, you know, to me – if they don't win, if they don't win the coastal this year and get to play Clemson in the ACC championship, then then you have to absolutely hit the second mark. And that second mark is going to a big bowl game and winning the bowl game so that these kids that are watching you that want to come to your program don't lose the faith. Do don't you, lose the faith. Do you think 10 games gets you to a New Year six? Gets them really close. I think it all depends on, you know, which ACC teams make the playoffs. If, if you know, if Clemson gets in the playoff again and how that how that opens other doors. You know, for me, again, I think 10 wins says that they are on the right path. I think anything less than that, um, unless they somehow get nine wins and get to the ACC championship game, you know, or, or whatever it is. Uh, I, I think it, it's really about selling the vision of, the, of this program, getting to that next level. Because I do think they've got quarterbacks behind Derek King that are that are good quarterbacks. I think they've got good offensive linemen behind the guys who are going to be leaving after this year. I think they've got really good running backs. I think they've got playmakers now, receivers that are going to hold on to the football. They've got tight ends. I mean, offensively, you have all the weapons. It's again, it just goes back to defense and do those guys step up? And uh, you know, I'm hoping for Manny's case that they do because he's put a lot of effort into building this thing. And and if they don't, and look, the, let's face it, we live here in South Florida, right? We know how fans turn quickly on you. Um, no. Manny took. Manny took took on this responsibility. (laughs) Manny (laughs) took on this responsibility, right? He could have hired a defensive coordinator, but he put it on his shoulders. So if they don't improve defensively and they don't have a good year, what are people going to say then? Eh, That's no normal stuff. Hire a DC. I could kill you, bro. Where you at? (laughs) Let me ask a question. So is this roster built right now to make it to the ACC championship game? I think it's good enough to get there, yes. Okay. Now let me ask you. Now you you don't think they're going to beat North Carolina though, so that means that this no. team isn't going to get to the ACC championship. Well, North game. Carolina could lose to somebody else, right? There's always a, there's always a back door in, right? And, there's well, a- you know, Manny, I always say that Miami. I look at it as nine and three, okay? Because mm-hmm. I said there's one team on your your schedule that's better than you, like Alabama, okay? Mm-hmm. Wait, then what you talking about? Are they? Well, 
A lot of people think so. Okay, I would say that you know, yeah, exactly. But then there's that one game where you just crap the bed. You don't do a good job. You you know you fail mm-hmm. in different areas. And then there's that one team that plays above and beyond. So if, if we can eliminate the crappy game, now you're ten and two. You know, and if you can maybe not have a team show up and be play better than they should, then you're eleven and one. So that's a pretty good season. But that's a lot of ifs, right? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the one thing we got to do is go into this year with somewhat fair expectations. And that that is, they got a big hole to fix the linebacker, man. Like, you can't just say that that's the first a small that, thing. It? No. <laughs> no. You, you I mean, can't look, just say I, I've been following you in football for 40 years, and I can't ever remember a linebacker core that was just that inexperienced or didn't play that well for the whole season, pretty much. They were pretty consistent last year, weren't they? Yeah, consistently bad. Yeah, but they were consistent. Yeah, they were, but they didn't. They, you didn't see a lot of growth by the end of the season that you were hoping to. Yeah, now I'm hoping. And your DC was supposed to be your linebackers coach. He's not there anymore. So yeah, but he's he's beating us for the big fish, according to his Twitter, right? <laughs> Sorry, yes. All right, let me ask you a question about the elephant in the room because we all yep. know what the elephant in the room is. <laughs> Alabama. Okay. Yes. Sweet home, Alabama. <sighs> I'm trying to be real. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get real expectations from you. What does this team have to do to beat Alabama? Can they beat Alabama? Well, first of all, this physically up front is going to be the most imposing challenge that they've had in a while because Nick Saban doesn't recruit, you know, small people. No. Uh, They're all really, really big. And that defense is really, really good in my eyes. I know – you know, they've lost players here and there um, to graduation, but that is, it's a machine every year, right? Mm-hmm. It just reload. Their offense isn't as good as it was last year. You're going to have a, a freshman playing in his first game, you know, the freshman making seven figures, apparently uh, playing in his first game at quarterback, but they've got, you know, they've got a really scary offensive line when it comes to size and Miami up front, you're, you know, Nesta's got to play like, uh, you know, first round Nesta. Um, John Ford, fifth year guy, he's got to have the game of his life. These guys have to show up. And then you need a bunch of linebackers who haven't played much Mm. to all of a sudden tackle game one, which, you know, that's a huge issue. Mm. So look, I don't want to say Miami's going to get blown out. Um, I mean, the spread is 18 and a half right now, but the spread is 18 and a half. And I did a story on this too, for the athletic, you go back and you look. (laughs) I charted Alabama and all their openers yep. and what the spread was. They're pretty good at covering the spread. Uh-huh. In one. So, um, you know, and then the other issue, of course, is Derek with that knee, right? First game back following surgery. You always have to be a little apprehensive. Maybe he's a little off, you know, playing that first game. He's not used to, you know, that knee and the adjustments he needs to make, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, am I picking Alabama to win that game? Yeah, I think Alabama's going to win that game. I just – I hope for Miami's sake, and Manny Diaz and I talked about this a couple months ago, they got to show up in those games. They can't just get run off the field because that's what wins and loses in recruiting. When you get a chance to face the big dog, you better swing and connect. And even if you lose the fight, don't get embarrassed because nobody's going to want to run with you after that. Well, that you know, that's like two years ago we played Florida. Florida was highly ranked. Yeah. You know, they're not as good as Alabama is ranked, but they were really right. highly ranked. 
And always that first game, both teams are making mistakes that you wouldn't make game three or five or eight or something like that. So if you have to play Alabama, game one is where you want to do it. But you're right. Players have to play the game of their life, step up, and make every play count. And you can't muff a punt on the 10-yard line. You can't miss easy field goals. You can't do that and expect to beat Alabama. Look, when I look at Alabama, you mentioned everything that I've said in the past when people ask me about Alabama. And I said, listen, you keep telling me about this new quarterback they're having. You keep telling me about this new receiver they're having. You know what I've heard that before? Every about three years when it comes to Alabama. <laughs> right. Every three years. You know, last year, oh, uh, Mac Jones is coming in. Who's this guy? He couldn't beat out, you know, Jalen. He couldn't beat out uh, Tua. Okay, so the, what, he sucks? They're like, uh, yeah, he's not going to be that great. The offense is going to be that great. Mm-hmm, sure. He, he just set up, what, all the records in passing in Alabama. The one thing that you mentioned is Nick Saban recruits up front better than anybody in the country. He's always going to have an offensive lineman that goes in the first round. He's always going to have a defensive lineman go in the first round. And most of the time, he's got multiple guys. So for me, when it comes to having a freshman quarterback, which isn't a true freshman, that hurts even more because he's been there. He's played in mop-up duty. Is they're going to sit there and go five-star running back, hand it off to him. Five-star running back, hand it off to him. And there's going to ground and pound to see if our linebackers learned anything from last year, which we'll see if they can get off their blocks or if they can actually read. Um, And then they're going to do a lot because this kid is very mobile. He's got an arm. They're going to do a lot of hard play action pass. They're going to move him around. They're going to hit that tight end that's going to be an All-American. And you know what? That worries me. It worries me a lot. And I I love to be – optimistic because it's my team, it's my blood and everything else, but I'm real when it comes down to it. I just hope we put up a lot of points like you said, show the nation that we got fight, show the nation that we belong. They're better than us right now, but you can see in a year or two maybe with the next two recruiting classes we can be there with Alabama. I just don't want to get embarrassed. Otherwise, that bottle of crown is going to be going down faster. I think if we win, it'll go down fast too, right? So oh, listen. Either way, the crown's going to get attacked that night, okay? There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind of listen, that, okay? Listen, if we win, if we win, I'll be at 11 at 6 o'clock as soon as the game's done. Forget <laughs> going at 11. I'm going. It's it's well, going. It'll probably be 7, 7.30. Whatever. Whatever it is, is going down seven, at 7, seven o'clock. 11, right? You meet me, <laughs> Canes fans, you meet me at. Well, what is it, Dwayne Wade Boulevard now? It's not even, you know, Biscayne anymore. Dwayne Wade Boulevard, we're going streaking. We are going streaking. We're getting arrested. <laughs> we beat Alabama. You heard that here, folks. You heard that here first. <laughs> and if someone's going to hold me to it, watch, going to hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> well, we've got to win that game. So. Well, listen, we're, we're all hopeful. But I think Manny's right. I think you're right. We, we've got to show that That's we've it. got fight, okay, that we, we can compete as close to the top-level teams as possible. And, sure. and I think that's where what little I've heard and talked to people about this team, thankfully, think they can beat them, and they're working hard to do that. Fan base, not so much. But it's I all think, good, though. It doesn't matter what right, we think. Exactly. It don't matter what. They're the ones that are doing as long the, the as summer the, workouts. As long as they're the, the young ones men in the believe. locker room believe that they can win, great. And, and I think sometimes fans have to understand that whether you're at Temple or Rutgers or – you know, some of these smaller schools, those kids work hard every day to try to win, and they unfortunately don't win many games, okay? But they're out there trying to do yeah. the best they can. I just think that, you know, you're a realist. You, we all love the Canes. We all want to win, okay? But if we're if we're looking at it like you do, looking at 
like Manny did, saying, look at these first games they've played over the years. They've covered the spread and then a lot more sometimes. So I think we have to be real, but I think we have to always have hope because we've had games a long time ago where we weren't supposed to win and we won. The great white hope. We got that. All right, Manny, give me a score. What you got? Wow, you're putting me on the spot. Of course. uh, (laughs) Uh, If Alabama comes out running the football the way I think they will, um, I think the clock is going to eat up quickly. Get, get eaten up quickly, and I think you know it's going to put a lot of pressure on Eric to to get that offense in the end zone. Um, and I could see a couple of mistakes. So I, I I do think Alabama covers the spread, um, but I'm hoping it's something like I don't know 38 to you know 19 or whatever 30, 38 to 20 something where you're not completely embarrassed. You're not w- walking off the field 62 24 mm. or you know oh no please no. You know, some of the worst ones that we've seen. I, I I think that's the number one thing that they gotta avoid. So I think Miami will will keep it respectable. I think their quarterback being in his first start, those receivers, um, you know, taking on their first big roles. Uh, I think they're gonna make some mistakes and that'll help Miami keep it close. But yeah, I think I think Bama just covers the spread just because I'm not I never go against Vegas. They know what they're talking about over there, man. Vegas does. We we have a little bet going on over here as well, Platon and I I believe that Bama's gonna put up forty points. Um, on the Canes defense because I don't trust the linebackers. I think they're very inexperienced. I don't know what we have up front. Yeah, we have some guys coming back. Yeah, we have a transfer, but I just don't think that's what you need as far as a a defensive line to go up against the grown men that they have in Alabama and a coach like Nick Saban who's going to exploit all your weaknesses. He's going to see what you do bad, and he's going to see what you do good, and he's going to take away your good, and he's going to destroy your bad. So it worries me a little bit because I feel like he's going to go like all go specials, have all the DBs turned around. He's going to have one-on-one with the linebackers and his tight end, and he's just going to just pick them apart. That's just my personal, you know. Now you got me depressed, man. What, man? (laughs) Hey, man, it is what it is. It's just being honest. Listen, there's too too many homers out there that says, oh, yeah, man, we're going to. No, look at it for real as a real person. Our homers think 12-0 is the only acceptable playing for the national title every year. That's the only thing acceptable. That Nothing less is good. I mean, listen, I would love to play for the national championship every year, and I think that should be the standard at University Absolutely, of Miami. Absolutely, it's a standard. Unfortunately, if you look at the roster, it's not a national championship roster. Look at the roster, look at the schedule, look at Injuries. There's all kinds of factors Look that play your into coaches. All oh, right. Yeah, uh, oh, Manny. <laughs> Manny, let the people know exactly where they can follow you, find your work, all the good yep. stuff. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Manny underscore Navarro, and uh, they can read my work over at theathletic.com. Uh, I, I'm going to put in my uh, my plug here. I think if you click on one of my Twitter stories, you can get a subscription for 50% off. So I know that uh, you know you can get your news a lot of different places, There's a lot of people who cover the Canes, but I hope uh, you, know, you, you choose The Athletic because we don't just offer what I do with the Canes. If you're a soccer fan, we got a bunch of writers overseas. Yes. Let's go over a ton of, you know, Premier League and international action. Now we're talking Brian uh, sport. Harry's like, ah, get that out of here. NFL, NBA. We've got some of the best. And our college football team is next to none, by the way. Um, You know, we've got guys like Bruce Feldman, uh, Stuart Mandel. uh, So many people that have worked for, you know, great publications like Sports Illustrated and ESPN in the past. and, And now they're all working for us. So. I think we got a pretty good team, and we got some pretty good coverage. And on, I appreciate your coverage. I, I think it's good. And, and Manny, you've followed this program for a long time and, and really done it fairly and and given us the facts. No, it's it's, it's, it's 
My bad. I'm just playing my I'm air violin play- right now. Yeah. Why, why is it a violin? It's not a sad story. <laughs> I mean, you can say, you know, clean your nose off or something like that. But, uh, you know, violin music, you want to play a little lead-in violin form? I just think that Manny's right. The Athletic and, and Manny have done a good job for, for Kane's fan. That That's so sweet of you. I was just playing nice music in the background for okay, you. Okay, I appreciate That's that. And, and I will fi- I will fight the occasional FSU fan on Twitter if you need I to. Did so I, I, I did, I did see that. I did see that. I was impressed. Them, uh, I did get into it with them the other day just because I asked for Miami Hurricanes questions. And, of course, they had to butt in, you know, and start saying, are you just going to talk about FSU the whole time? So I was just like, dude, it's like, seriously, man, you talk about us living, you know, rent free or whatever it is. Like, just leave leave me alone, FSU fans. I think the funniest thing with the FSU fans is that when they were on their little streak of seven in a row, we kept talking about national championships. All they could talk about was stop living in the past, stop living in the past. Now you ask them about what's going on in the program and they say, well, did you win this? Check. Did you win this? Check. And I'm like, I thought y'all said stop living in the past. Why don't, right. we, why don't we talk about the last four yeah, years? That's Gina, not the we past. All, we all have our own way of looking at things, so they're well, they're jaded on what they think. Okay, we all all our fans, I think, live in the past, and that's you know their past of Florida yeah. State and ours. That's kind of the problem that their fans live with because those were pretty good years that Florida State had and Miami had, where we were always in the top four or five playing one another. And those games when they came on, I mean, it was potentially a national championship uh, lead-in, and that's what our fans. Yeah, right there. Yeah, you get well, excited on the Florida yeah. State Miami talk, dropping the mic over yeah, my, here. My, my mic got sad thinking about how many years has been since those games were really, really mattered. You know. Listen, I, I don't care if they, I don't care if they matter for the next ten years, as long as we whip their ass. I really don't care if they suck for the next ten I, years. You know. By the uh, way, I, I will tell you guys, I've been around a couple of high schools here in the last uh, couple of months, and just visiting some of these recruits. And, you know, every a lot of these high school coaches who know me, the, the kids don't know me. I'm too old now. But the, the coaches know me are like, these are the schools come in here, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Georgias. I mean, it doesn't matter if a kid has a Miami offer or he has an FSU offer, he has a Florida. Like, they light up when the SEC schools yep. in, in Ohio State and Clemson come to town. And it's just they, that's what's got to change here, man. Mm-hmm. Like they, that's the number one thing they've got to change. They've got to get back to being on level with those guys or it's never going to change. Cause that, that little license those guys show up with, it says, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a coach from Clemson, whatever the hell it says on, on their little, uh, you know, uh, shirts and everything else that they carry it. Like if that, if Miami can't change that, if Florida state and Florida can't change that, I don't see how things change here. It's just going to stay status quo. Let me ask you a question. Uh, that's actually something I wanted to ask. Uh, you know, so we got these new rumors that are coming out, and I hope that they're just rumors from not a credible source. But we see that Texas and Oklahoma um, officially have made the jump going to the SEC. And the newest rumor that I saw on Twitter was Miami Hurricanes are going to go to the Big Ten if Florida State and Clemson goes to the SEC. Is there any weight behind that? Is that true? Have you heard anything? No, I mean, I haven't heard anything from anybody credible, um, but I also haven't spoken to Blake James lately. I mean, you know, look, the bottom line is you're going to have a lot of these wild rumors because everybody's scared. They see what's on the horizon. And so, um, you know, I I will say this, okay, and I'm sure you guys have probably talked about this over the past week or two. Miami's locked into their deal through 2036. Every ACC school is locked in through 2036. Um, The only way that they would – Unlock that deal is if they could add Notre Dame. So you're not going to see Clemson, Miami, Florida State, or anybody make a jump until 2030, probably at the earliest, because they're going to give up hundreds of millions of dollars if they try to leave now. So to me, 
this whole super conference thing and, you know, what Texas and I think the ACC of all the conferences, because of their situation with uh, their rights and so forth, they're, they're kind of stuck, man. They're, they kind of have to sit and watch what everybody else does and sort of react to that. So I, what I personally think is going to happen is there's going to be some TV deals done where the ACC is going to set up some deals either with the Big Ten or the Pac-12, and you're going to have some premier games. And every year, Miami, Florida State, and Clemson are going to be playing somebody from the Pac-12 and somebody from the Big Ten, and that's the way that they're going to try to recoup some of that money that they're losing out on. As but, they should. I mean, we've been doing it anyways. We play, what, Michigan State, Alabama? Well, what will happen is you'll drop the Appalachian States yep. and you'll drop the FAMUs and the Bethune-Cookmans, and you're going to have to play – these other teams so that you can make up, you know, in TV money, what you're lacking, which we've seen it in basketball already with the ACC big 10 challenge and some of these. So to me, I think that's the initial step, but Miami going to the big 10, I mean, college football would have to completely explode for that to happen anytime soon. Please. No, I mean, our dudes ain't going to do well in the cold. We ain't going to Michigan and Wisconsin (laughs) and all these South Miami kids. No, it, it's, you know, it really is kind of crazy when you look at this. But I, I think Miami's not one of those teams that should be shaking in no. their boots because I think they've got enough uh, pull and, and, you know, TV that they bring to, to what the, any station's going to cover with them. But some of these smaller schools or less, you know, name schools, you know, that kind of probably concerning for some of those because I think at some point there's going to be set conferences and the rest are going to be like at a different level or something like that. I just don't see how they yeah. can all survive. Yeah, I, I agree, Harry. I think ultimately what's going to happen here is it's all about how much of the pie you want to share and what's happened or what happened initially was everybody wanted to get into a conference and they had a bigger pie, but now with Oklahoma and Texas, you see that they were bringing in 50% of the revenue, right? For the big 12. Well, what's going to happen when Clemson sits back and says, well, wait a minute, how much money are we bringing to the ACC every year? you know, or, or Miami or Florida state, right. They're the premier programs, the ones with all the history with the championships, et cetera. So I think we could definitely get into a situation where there could be a super conference. I just think contractually right now, the way things are set, we're, we're several years away from it, at least for teams in the ACC. Now, again, college football could look at itself in 2025 and say, we've got to move to this other format like Harry's talking about. But I think for now, for the foreseeable future, the first couple, the next couple of years, I, I just think it's going to be hard to imagine Miami playing Indiana, you know, in, in November no. and having to go to Penn State the week after. I just those things just aren't going to happen to me. Manny, I, do you ever think Notre Dame will hell join no. a conference? They've got NBC. They've got all the money from NBC. They don't need to. They again, they don't have to split the pie. It's all about splitting the pie. Notre Dame came to the ACC when they were in trouble, when they didn't have a schedule because of what happened with college football, right? Last year with COVID. After that, they don't they don't need the ACC. They've got every they got everything they need from them five games a year. They fill up half their schedule with ACC schools. That helps get them into the playoff if they go 11-1 and one or 12-0. and 0. So, I mean, it's an automatic path for them. They're set. They have no reason to share any of their money with the ACC. And that's why I hate why we let, I hated letting them in last year. Like, yo, screw you. Well, I was hoping letting them in would help them stay in. You know what I'm no, saying? No, they just wanted their money, and then they wanted to be able to say, we got a season and we leave. I mean, they even put it on their own verified account. I don't even know if you remember this. They put on their own verified account was like a meme going around. It says, looks cute now, going to change it later. And it was the ACC on their field. And they put up a meme. Looks cute now, but going to change it later. Like, yo, they're slapping you in the face. Harry, you know what I'd like to see? (laughs) And I know this is crazy, but I'd love to see the soccer system that they have in Europe. Relegation, right? 
Hell like, yeah. You, you have a premier league of maybe 30 schools that really should be in it every single year that have the kind of players and recruit the way, you know, th- that could give them a legitimate shot of making the playoff. And then I think you have, you know, the other 35 that are part of the F, you know, the power five right now that, you know, really don't contend that really aren't in the picture that don't have the history that don't bring in the money. Maybe there's some way contractually they can make it all work, but you know, the reality is the best 30 schools in the country with all the rich tradition, they don't need the rest of those other schools to make money. And right now, um, everybody's sort of looking around saying, are you one of those elite schools or do I need you to play with me so that I can, I can make the kind of money I need to survive. And so again, the, the, the mighty dollar rules, man, and we'll see, we'll see how it changes. But again, for Miami fans, big 12, big 10, all these rumors, I, I don't believe any of it right now. I think it's just people speculating. Well, the money is like, we always talk about it. It moves the, the dial and it changes a lot of things. And, you know, I keep saying that the football that we enjoyed in the 80s and the 90s and even in the early 2000s and stuff like that, it See just ya. keeps changing. NIL, uh, transfer portal, all that stuff has just created a whole different type of, of sporting event. And I don't know if it's better. What? I don't know if it's better. It's I amazing. Think, <laughs> I'm not against them getting paid. I know I'm messing with you here. But I, I, and I, I like it. That's fine. You can, you know, bring your, your best shot, so I to speak. You. But, oh, that was but not I'm it. just saying that it just... You know, a kid would come to Miami. He'd be here for three or four years. You know, now they're they're coming to Miami and leaving at, or other schools and leaving after a year. And and there's kids sitting out there in a portal that have no school to go to. Still and, sitting in there right and, now. And it's just, you know, I don't know that giving them that much freedom or, or is is better or not. But I just think that as a fan, you want that kid to come to your school and spend three or four years there. And sure. when he leaves after three years because he's going to be a first or second round pick. And I think that you know that kind of loyalty and compassion is what we liked and that's what some people didn't like about the nfl and stuff like that because the guys were you know not staying for their career you know just as you got to be a superstar you were gone to the next team and i don't want to see that in college as much well but i know it's here welcome it's here. to that you know? world right. no and, and that's harry, what we all have to kind of adjust to now but, but harry it's been there for college basketball because we used to have juniors and seniors in college basketball now we don't right. now, no, now I, the, the most you get out of somebody's a sophomore year so i i just think Whatever we've seen in college basketball is kind of going to replicate itself yeah. with college football, you know, uh, just because it's all about money, man. There's different priorities. And, and, and you know, there, I don't think there's enough people, enough parents, enough uh, supporters of these kids saying enough about education and getting a degree and what it means for you. Because I think they all have these dreams that they're going to make the NFL, that they're going to make all these NIL dollars. And they keep forgetting that there's only whatever 300 NFL players drafted every year, right? I mean, yeah, and how many of them are on rosters? What 242, 244, and then you got you know your your camp bodies, and you got your what 20 invites, and it's like it's one percent. That's what it is, it's right? One percent, and, and 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 there's a lot of people that you know right now are in the transfer portal thinking they were the the bleep coming out of high school, oh, yeah. right? They thought they were the great, and now they don't even have a scholarship to go anywhere. It's a sad situation, but. You know, it's survival of the fittest. It's the way it is. Yeah, it really is. I mean, listen, when it comes, you know, to that conversation, transfer portal, going to the NFL, you know, you have to pick your school's, school wisely as far as could you see yourself living there for 40 years? Can you make yourself great connections that are going to open up the right doors, right? Because, you know, I was one of those guys that, yeah, I made it to a camp. I was off season with the Chargers. I bounced around with some workouts, went to Canada. But majority of the jobs that I've had in Miami is because of somebody I met at the University of Miami. 
You know, when I needed a job, when I was bouncing NFL teams, I got one from somebody at University of Miami that I met. You know, me being doing radio, I got because I was on the All Canes radio show. That's because of Miami. You know, being a personal trainer in Miami, a lot of guys that I've met through Miami have given me their families to train or their brothers to train or their wives or their neighbors. You know, so you have to go ahead and pick that school because, by the way, a lot of you guys, if you're listening right now in your high school, they aren't going to make it. And that's okay. That's okay because there are a lot of great things that come from being on a football team that isn't the NFL. You know, there's amazing experience and amazing brotherhoods and bonds that you make, and then there's going to be great careers that you're going to go through afterwards. But that's the reality that is, I think it's gotten a lot worse with social media, that all these kids think they are a first-round pick when they got to look in the mirror and say, I'm not even draftable. But every fan base in America is telling them they're the next Deion Sanders, the next Ed Reed, the next Ray Lewis, and you're like, bro, have you turned on your film? <laughs> And I think that's the worst thing right now with football. That's what's changed in the last 10 years is the way social media has infected the minds of these kids. And it, and it all has to do with recruiting, right? It all has to do with these schools wooing them. And then the fan base is getting behind them. A lot of these kids don't know how to deal with that kind of attention. They, they, they go from being, you know, humble, hopeful kids hoping to make it to hey i'm the greatest thing since mm -hmm. sliced bread yeah. and and you know a lot of guys that probably i mean how many guys that you know that didn't make it where are they now in life and what you know just dealing with that disappointment mm -hmm. you know dealing with hey i didn't make it how do you how do you deal with that in life well, There's the other thing is, I, I hate with recruiting when they put these kids on national TV type of thing to let them make their pick. When you were recruited, okay, when when you were, did you have that opportunity or the guys around you that could go on TV and yeah. do the hat shell game? I or? mean, listen, I didn't because I was a punter, so it wasn't like a big position. But if you look at, we still had the All American games. We had the Army All American game where guys made declaration. We had guys locally, the newspapers would come, local channels would come. It's just that we have technology now. So every guy can do this hat and pony trick, which I think is stupid because you could be the guy that throws a hat on the ground and all of a sudden a year later in the transfer portal saying, hey, coach, right. what's up? I want to go to your school again. Oh, let me show you a little video well, first. I, I, just, I just think that, that I don't mind them getting the – I just don't like the hat trick or throwing the hats around or something like that because, you know, there's you get a penalty for returning the touchdown 80 yards and diving into the end zone crazy, but yet – these coaches have been spending time, energy, money to recruit you, and then you're going to disrespect them by throwing their hat around. I just, I, I just don't like that. But I also think that that also creates that pressure that these kids go into, saying, you know, our, our family, oh look, he's a five star, he's going to be the next blah blah blah, and it's like pretty hard to live up to those expectations. When when they're making their own videos and having you know camera crews following them around, it makes me laugh because I'm just like, what have you done, dude? Like right. you have mm. done nothing yes. yet. The road is so much further along here that you got to go. And I, I, you know, I think the kids who get involved. I mean, that's the tricky part with recruiting, right? It, it's is as as a coach saying, does this kid's talent and potential outweigh you know his mentality right now and what he thinks is important. And that's that's the tricky part in all this is, you know, finding kids who want to work hard, who want to be committed and, and be committed to the right things. Um, and I and I just think aside from the drugs and all the other things that these kids deal with around them. Right. And their lives growing up sometimes aside from those distractions, you know, it, then it then it leaks into this area of, you know, I don't want to say overconfidence, but certainly believing you're much better than you are. And then you get to school and it smacks you in the face. You're not you're not that dude. 
you're not that good. And if you want to get good, you got to put the work in. And, and so that, to me, uh, social media just adds an extra layer of crap that these kids have to deal with and that many of them are not ready for. Well, Manny, you know, one of the things that we've got through all our podcasts this year and even beyond is that these stars that we interview, the Clinton Portises and all these guys, they work their butts off and they continue to work. And that's the work ethic and the, the drive and the policing one another. And as you've interviewed these guys, you've heard the same thing. It's not just come in and throw a jersey on because you were five-star in high school and you're going to be a great football player at the University of whoever. It's how you get there and what you do once you get there that makes the difference. Yeah, no no question. And every, every one of those guys who's made it to the NFL, uh, I would say nine out of ten, uh, they didn't. They weren't worried about their social media accounts, I, I, right? When they were coming up, they didn't care. They knew they were the best, and they played like it every single week, and they trained like it every single week. So, um, you know, I just think that that any kid who's really involved with social media, I always say to myself when I when I start covering them and and asking them questions and all they care, oh, didn't you see my Instagram or didn't oh, you see this video? God. The moment I hear all that, I'm like, this guy. Sh- should is just not the kind of guy I want to have on my team if I was a recruiter. See, what they're missing, though, is something that has gotten away from college football that I think that needs to be there is that when you go into these locker rooms, you know, they get babied. They get pampered. You know, oh, no, no, you can't do that. You, you know, coaches, oh, well, you can't touch that because, you know, he's our number one recruit. Bullshit. When we got here and you were a five-star, you got your ass whooped, just like the one-star kicker in the back. Like mm-hmm. your your locker rooms police you and humble you. We don't care if you're the number one quarterback. You got to work your way up the depth chart. We don't care if you're the number one safety. See the guy over there? That was the number one safety two years ago. See the guy next to you? That's an all-American safety right now. You have to work and you have to humble yourself, and that's what the locker room was able to do back in the day. Shave your head, embarrass you, do everything else to make you come together and fight and realize it's a team, not, oh, look at me, I'm the man. No, you're you going to be the man. You're going to be the man taped to that pole when we go home. <laughs> I know that well, for sure. I, I, always feel, I don't care what how many stars you have in high school. That that gets you recruited. Yeah, don't but once that. you get to Miami or wherever, the coach needs to say, listen, you have no stars here. At all. Let's see how you leave here. Can you leave here as a five-star? Because right now you're down there with no stars. And, and that's what these kids have to understand, that you're starting from the bottom again. And the separation from high school is – a mile high but when you get into college you're talking 100 yards and when you get to the nfl you're talking 10 feet difference between the top and the bottom it's all talented players and experienced players and these kids have to understand that coming out of high school you're not necessarily ready to compete against a kid that's a fifth year senior that's been in a weight room for five years yeah. and, and stronger and mentally tougher than you're going to be there's yeah. very few guys that can compete at that level yeah all right manny look we appreciate it we won't take up too much more of your time well, you know, hope you guys, you know, have a great night. Um, maybe see you around camp. Hopefully, yeah, uh, I'll be around. We can I might s- stop by the shop. They, well, yeah, we'll you, set up a table. You right guys got to set up your your media table, right? Yeah, exactly. You can get a bunch of us reporters down there, all masked up and typing away. That's right. Harry, like Harry will look for all the inside information and stuff like that. <laughs> I just want to see the team win. I don't care. I don't care about information. Okay, let's just go out and do it. I'm down. We're with that. ready for that, right? I'm ready. All I've right. been I'm been ready for that. Yeah, we all have. <laughs> all Thanks, right, man. Manny. Appreciate it. Take it easy, man. Have a good night. You too, guys. Take care. You know, it's funny how we we, we all want to win every game, and 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 again, if you're a true fan, that's what you want to do. But you also have to understand the reality that you can't win every game. No team's ever done it, and um, 
you know, we had a time. A what do you mean no times. teams ever won every game in a season or ever, ever? Ever, ever. Okay, I mean, again, look. You, Maybe like in the 30s. Uh, but I don't know. Sooner or later, <laughs> they lost. Okay, there's no right. team that's undefeated right. forever, okay? You're right. And and I think that, you know, the history of Miami has had some great times. That that decade of dominance, 83 to 93, was it's pretty impressive. Probably one of the most impressive runs in any sport, yeah. and, and especially from a small private school mm-hmm. that really had no business doing that. But oh, and, everything clicked. without our own stadium too. Without our own stadium, you know, our, other, our rival fans love to say that. Yeah, I know. And again, you know, Michael Irvin said it best. It wasn't the the stadium that made it great. It no. was the players and the games played in the stadium that made the stadium great. Exactly. You know, if we had a fifty eight game losing streak in that stadium, we would have knocked it down ourselves, right? You know, we would have burned <laughs> it down, but. At the end of the day, I just think that I see enough things and hear enough things that this team is moving in the right direction. Now, if we can stay healthy and these young kids that come in, and the young kids I hear a lot of great things about, if they can bring that mentality and leadership that is being taught to them today, then I, I think the future could be better for Miami. I, I would like to see it. That's all, I, 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 we I all would want like to see it. it. I hear great things. I've been hearing great things. Um, I still think they a couple things need to be changed, um, but – I'll sit back and, and see what we have this year. I think that we have a lot of, you know, bright spots on this team, especially on offense, which we probably couldn't say since, uh, what, 2012-13 with Stephen Morris and they were lighting it up. And, you know, now we're back in the days of what is this defense going to do? Right. And that's scary because the defense has carried us the last five years. I'm hoping Manny goes over to that side and, like Manny uh, Navarro just said, scares them a little bit. They're not, you know, kiki in and, you know, laughing after games when they lose and posting pictures when they lose. And I don't, I don't get that at all. How are you posting pictures from a game you just lost on your social media? That makes no sense it, to me. It, I, you know. <laughs> you, would, you shouldn't you're even for, want. You I mean, you're a former player. You don't even want those pictures. How does that make you feel? Oh, man. Because I've talked to former players, even before you, old, older school oh. guys, okay? I mean, they're saying we would beat that guy's ass. butt, okay? And, and you know, I remember back, what? you know, it, uh, we didn't lose a lot, okay? But when we lost, they were ornery. They oh, were yeah. nasty. They were mean. And they didn't go out. No. Okay, if they went out, it was to their girlfriend's house. It was to a buddy's house. But a lot of them, I mean, they almost locked themselves in their room, and they were just stewing. And that next opponent got that. Oh, no. Put back on them, okay? Yeah. But that's the mentality. And, it, again, you learn how to win, and when you learn how to win, it becomes easier and easier. We've lost so much over the last few years for a lot of these guys that losing two, three, four games, not a big deal. And it's it's always, a, you know, and that's that's the mindset that makes the past players great and a lot of them pro bowlers, first-round picks, Hall of Famers. And when you look at the teams that we have now, not being in the championship games competing for – uh, ACC back then, Big East champions is the type of person that says, "Oh, that's cool. We only lost three or four games a season. That's all right. Do you see my stats? I look good in my uniform. Right. Look at my look at my uh, Instagram. <laughs> How many likes did I get? You know. And if you have that mentality, yeah. But my NIL account just went up in value, right? Hey, listen. If you're losing four or five games a year, I tell you what, your NIL account ain't going up no, because you know who's going to get that money? Alabama quarterback. He hasn't even played a snap yet, really, and he's got seven <laughs> figures. But yet. Derek King is the man, supposedly, according to a lot of writers, and he's only got 50. I wonder why. Listen, it all translates. If you win, more guys get accolades. There are going to be more people getting trophies. There's going to be more guys getting drafted. And now with this new deal with the NIL, if you're good and you win, more people will make money. If you suck, 
Let's ask, let me ask you a question. How many dudes in, in Vanderbilt have got NIL deals, you think? Uh, Zero. Well, there may be a couple, but. No way. For what? Like books? Well, maybe. Come read my app? Hey, you know, if it pays money, you don't care what it's for, do you? Exactly. Okay, so let's say two dudes. If you're not good, but, you're, you're not making Brian, money. That's what I go back to. The Alabama quarterback, okay, or whatever. Those guys are going to get more opportunities because of their fan base. It's bigger. Yeah, but there's only going to be lo- like three or four of those guys like oh, that. Absolutely. And we've said that all along. For sure. Not every kid oh, is yeah, going to have yeah. that opportunity. And we've made it sound like they're all going to, you know, do this type of thing. Yeah, but listen, if Jake Garcia is the next, whatever, let's say he's Ken Dorsey and leads him to a championship, that boy's going to make seven figures at Miami. I guarantee. I hope so. I no, hope no, so. there's no hope. I hope so on two accounts. One, that because he takes that means, us to the national yes, championship. Yes. And two, that he makes all that money and then some, okay? He, listen, if you're the quarterback at University of Miami that's competing for national championships, you're one of the most valuable players in all of college football because that brand, you've got mail. That brand holds so much weight. You know, everyone talks about, oh, you're irrelevant. Eh, you, you know the, what the you means. Everybody knows it, it, what the U Everybody means. knows what the U. And the, when U's good, I mean, 2017, I mean, you couldn't have got much more hype out of this program than we got. You know, the turnover chain, the beating Notre Dame like a drum. I mean, those were, that was pretty good. I and, mean, I, that, and I tell everybody this, you know, everyone says, oh, you're relevant. Yet we made this thing called the turnover chain that. Not just football people try baseball. to. Baseball. I saw I mean, a wrestling team yeah, have I mean, it. Kids have it. And then the funniest thing, I had a, a guy that I knew that played for Oregon. And he goes, nah, man, we had that way before you guys. Oh, yeah, when? They're like, oh, like 2010. And I go, it's funny. No one's ever heard of it. Right. But as soon as we did it, the whole world knows about it and has some type of prop. That's a ter- three, like a chain. Three game days last year? I mean, come on. Irrelevant, though. We're I, irrelevant. Yeah. We're relevant. This little school in Coral Gables, we're relevant. But it's cool. We That's why I tell our fans, I said, every team that plays Miami, good, bad, or indifferent when Miami's playing that way, they still say it's Miami. They yeah. still look at Miami as a premier program, and they want to beat Miami's butt. Okay, and they play their best game against Miami, and that's one of the things. Miami, Florida State, some of these programs that were great at one time, they have that inbreded into the kids that they're playing against, and the coach says, listen, that's Miami. They have five national championships. So you build that and use that against Miami, and and that's where our players have to realize if we want to be the Miami of old, we've got to step up in every opportunity and make the best of it. Yeah, and they're going to have a um, – And they get to start off right with Alabama, right? Yeah. Oh, we'll find man. out how sweet home that is because oh, it, it could be – got know, a big stage to prove it, Yeah, game one. And, again, I just want to see some fight. I want to see some dignity out of these guys. Four and quarters of, of we, we're playing with you, man. That's it. Just don't give up, man. That's the If you give up, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be some pissed off former well, players. Well, Brian, another good show. I appreciate your time. <sighs> it was fun. It was a blast. You know, we appreciate Manny, and uh, we look forward to having a player next week. Yeah, we're going to have some, you know, I think, I think we're going to have a, a linebacker next week. We'll see. We'll have one of those guys that brought that intensity you know, probably one of the highest recruited um, recruits of all time. Um, if it's that guy, then we'll be able to ask him about that in a statement that somebody said about him, which I'm eager to hear about. So, Canes fans, have another great week. We'll talk to you guys next time.